Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun if you're like us then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call each week on alternate routes we'll take a flashpoint in sports break down what actually happened then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus this episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperice.com. Yeah, there should be some passion. This doesn't have to be boring. Boring, boring. Hey, one thing the game needs is more people like you. You, you. Still have grown men run around tight pants. It's Mookie Betts. It's Daniel Bard. It's Steve Aoki. There's Salt Lamakia. This is Brock Holt. Hey, this is John Lester. Baseball. Baseball. Baseball isn't boring. Welcome to Baseball Isn't Boring. Here's your host, Rob Radford. Capita, two Capita, three Capita, four. And there's no way you can deny it. Two Capita. Two Capita, Marcano. What is better than that when it comes to launching a week? Congratulations to Greg Brown and Bob Walk for winning the home run call of the day on the Baseball Isn't Boring podcast. And congratulations to Duca Pita Makano for hitting the Grand Slam that got them that call. And I could say that all day. I could do every home run call should include Duca Pita Makano. I think that should be a, a law in the world of broadcasting. It is a law in the world of baseball that it isn't boring. And that's why we have this podcast. That's why we have this message. Thank you, FanDuel, for all your support of helping power us through the season and beyond. It's been a great couple days. It's been a great day. It's been going to be a great week. And it's not just because of Tuca Pita Meccano. Nope, not only because of him, but because of a lot of things that's going on. And 
part of it was the, how we launched this week with a podcast. How we launched this week with a podcast was having Kenley Jansen, Josh Hader, Hugh Darvish, Joe Kelly, all appeared on Monday's podcast. And Kenley with very pointed comments about how baseball has a potentially has a problem when it comes to the new rules, the pitch clock, how this is going may manifest itself in terms of injuries, um, discomfort when it comes to late in games. And Josh Hader also gave his perspective of closing in this day and age of baseball with a pitch clock. But Kenley, you got to go back and listen to this. I thought it was very, very good conversation and good points by him and points that are being made throughout clubhouses in baseball. There is a lot of buzz about how injuries might be piling up when it comes to the, the, the breakneck speed of baseball. Also, speaking of how things are piling up, videos are piling up on Pitching Ninja's social accounts because of all the wacky deliveries, all the unique timing mechanisms. We've seen it from our guy, Joe Kelly, we have seen it for years from the guy that is on the podcast, Hugh Darvish. So that's why we talked to those two guys. The bobbing and weaving and timing and all of it, because of the pitch clock, because people are getting more creative, it deserved a quick Baseballs and Boring on the Go podcast. That's what I give you. You can go check that out as well. Speaking of Joe Kelly, all right, everyone get on board. Get on the bandwagon. Let's get him to Seattle. We need to sign some books in Seattle. All-Star game. A damn near perfect game. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for subscribing. Buying the book, A Damn Near Perfect Game. Buying the T-shirts and the hoodies. Swing Juice, thank you. At BB isn't boring to find the link to Swing Juice, to the T-shirts, to the hoodies, all the gear. And just to also go to the socials, producer having absolutely dominating things on the app BB socials. All right, well, enough of that. Now it's time to take the step forward into the week. And how we're doing that was another great podcast. And it is with a guy who has been on the podcast before and is always fantastic. And that's Daniel Bard. Daniel Bard, Colorado Rockies reliever. You know him as the guy who was dominant for the Red Sox way back when. As a reliever, then got the yips. Retired at one point, came back, was one of the few, very few, if not only documented cases of a guy coming back from the Yips. Comes back, pitches for the Rockies, saves 20 games in 2021, saves 34 games last year, 179 ERA last year, gets the invitation to the WBC World Baseball Classic. We're so happy for him. We do the podcast with him. He's so excited. And then the sad trombone, he, he has the Yips again. In on the stage, on the biggest stage of the World Baseball Classic, on the biggest stage of the offseason, on the biggest stage of international baseball in some time, it reared its ugly head once again, and he knew it right away, as he talks about on this podcast. So could he come back from this? Everyone's heart just dropped. Was this going to be the end of the story? A great story was going to have a terrible finish? Well, sure enough, he figured out a way once again, because he's back in the Rockies, came back mid-April, he has a 0.82 ERA in 11 games, doing very, very well. And just, I mean, the fact that he came back once, now he's come back again, and he gives the lessons that we should learn in life, forget about baseball, in life about perseverance. That's why we wanted to have him on, because he's informative, he's educational, and he's inspiring. 
the big three when it comes to this podcast. And Daniel Bard never disappoints. All right, well, enough of me talking. Here you go. Here's me talking, but more importantly, me talking with Daniel Bard. All right. Daniel Bard saw his good friend Andrew Miller come on the podcast, so he said, I have to be on the podcast again. I cannot, I for a, for a 50th time. Um, still no T-shirt, right, Dan? I haven't seen a T-shirt yet, no. I haven't sent you a T-shirt, but now I have them, and now I have the, the Colorado Rockies colors. That's what I was waiting for. So, oh, nice. yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Baseball isn't boring. Um yeah, so we'll send you that along with uh, with a, a copy of the book, uh, A Damn Near Perfect Game, written by a fellow relief pitcher. So, yeah, so there you go. Uh, first of all, how are you? Doing well. Doing well. Just hanging out in Dallas, uh, getting ready to play game two against the Rangers. And, uh, yeah, just doing it. You and I have something in common. We were both in Sports Illustrated recently. <laughs> yeah, what was your... What was your contribution? It was, it was for the uh, for our book. Was, they said read the oh, book. Nice. Damn near perfect game. Yes, and I did not realize that Sports Illustrated now costs almost ten dollars. That's that was my takeaway. I thought it was just a website. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, no offense to Sports Illustrated. I just figured everything had kind of moved online. No, I, I'm I'm kind of with you. Uh, you on the cover, right? You tell me. I haven't seen it, so I mean, I, I saw the article, but I didn't see. I think I haven't seen a hard copy. You and L. McPherson, and I'm dating myself. <laughs> there you <Yes>. go. <laughs> um, so how how you doing? How's everything going? I mean, this has obviously been a crazy few months for you. It's always good catching up to you. You're in the our podcast. I am inducting you in our your second podcast Hall of Fame right now. Congratulations. Um, I appreciate you know, that. You know, you're, it's, it's, if I have another podcast, you'll be in that Hall of Fame as well. Uh, <laughs> but um, but it's to look back to sort of just in the last three months, it's sort of nuts. I think you came on the podcast maybe it was in it must have been January because you were talking about getting we were talking about getting ready for the WBC and um and all the like the sort of things that we didn't know what to expect. Of all that stuff, but it's been a nutty three months to look back at it. Or do you even look back? I mean, are you just a like I'm looking forward guy? A uh, little of both. I, I I try to spend most of my energy um, focusing on what I got to do today. You know, today maybe tomorrow. Uh, my wife gets mad at me because I don't know who we're playing next week, or she's like, "You didn't know you had an off day Thursday." I'm like, "It's like four days away. Like, how am I supposed to know that?" Um, so I, I mostly try to stay with focused on today. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think it's good to look, take, take a little time to look back, look forward, but then always kind of refocus back to the, the present. I think that one of the things that, you know, we, we like to do, you know, when we started the whole baseballs and boring thing, you know, one of the great things is that what I've learned is that baseball, like, is, is so impactful in so many different facets of life. And one of the things that I came across doing the book and just doing this podcast was that there's no other sport, and you correct me if I'm wrong, or that that challenges the resilience of somebody. Like in, in you know, because when you're in a baseball field, 
you are never more alone. You have you you either you you success, succeed or you fail in front of everybody, and you also like you you basically have to bounce back and in front of everybody and do it again. And in life, like that is the ultimate sign of resil. Of, are you resilient or aren't you? And I know I'm getting very deep here, but I'm, I'm, I'm used to it. Don't worry. No, no, no. But I, I'm I'm sorry, but you know, like I'm just. I was thinking of talking with you, and like I honestly, going through the last year myself, looking at baseball, people kept bringing this up, and I'm like, "All right, well, here's a good example of it. Congratulations, yeah. you're resilient." <laughs> yeah, it definitely. I mean, I think the the daily nature of it, you know, it's 162 in about about 180 days. Um, there's no other sport like that. Um, it, it kind of turns into Groundhog Day a little bit, but I think like. I honestly think the best guys in this game kind of enjoy the, the repetitive nature of it. Um, you know, as, as, mu- as tough as it is to have a bad game and have to come back the next day, it's kind of nice to, like, not have to sit on it for a week or even a few days. You know, it's just like get back out there, you get another chance. Um, so I think some guys actually, you know, like that part. That's what I like about about relieving. Is if it doesn't go great, you're probably back in there within, you know, a couple days um, to kind of bounce back. And um, so yeah, I mean, it definitely challenges you for sure. Uh, but, but like you said, you said being alone. I, I think um, being part of a team, you yeah, know, it, that definitely has like a positive effect on that. And for me. What I went through the last couple months, that was, you know, I leaned on my teammates a lot and just, just being around them every day, despite what I was dealing with, um, was huge. You know, they were super supportive and, you know, I, once I started feeling a little, a little better on the mound and stuff, you know, I just wanted to get out there and contribute and be a part of those, those games and just, you know, we weren't playing that great at the time, but it's like, I just want to be a part. Like, I feel like I, I need to pull my weight and you want to pull your weight and, for me, I think when I can stay focused on the 25 other guys in the room with me and, like, just play hard for them and, they, they, you know, they we all see the work that each other puts in every day, whether that's prepping in the weight room, whether that's getting treatment in the training room, whether that's, you know, sitting at your locker with headphones on trying to get locked in, you know, all the different things guys do. We see that from our teammates. So when a guy goes out there and doesn't perform, on a given night or a stretch, a week, a month or whatever, we see how hard that guy's working behind the scenes. You know, we see, we see how much that guy cares, um, which makes you have all the respect for him. Um, so that's kind of what I try to stay focused on is, you know, rather than what is the whole world looking at or what are they thinking? Just I, I look at my family and my teammates and those are the people who see me every day. Um, yeah, what kind of effect am I having on those people? I think that's kind of where, where I try to focus. Besides me saying you're in the Hall of Fame, what's the most impactful thing that someone said to you um, since the WBC? Oops. Because every once, in a while, every once in a while, you know, maybe that's it's too broad a question, but I know for me, I've had incidents in my life where I'm like, you know, somebody said something and I'm like, oh, man, that hit. That just hit. You know, yeah, I, probably my wife. Um, you know, we've we've had a lot of conversations about this stuff the past two months, but 
I think her probably saying, you know, hey, who cares how it went? It was an awesome experience for our family. Um, I got to bring my kids to Arizona and to Miami. Um, they got decked out in USA gear. They learned a bunch of players. They've learned who Mike Trout is, believe it or not. Um, you know, they basically like kind of sparked a little bit of their, their love for baseball, I think, you know. Um, Rockies games are cool, but the WBC games were way cooler. So, um, <laughs> I look back at it as, as a really cool uh, experience for my, my kids, my family. I still had a, a great experience, man, getting to know all the guys on the team. Um, just being able to put on the uniform with, you know, probably six or seven Hall of Famers on that team, I would I would guess, uh, is something I'll, I'll, definitely, I'll, I'll definitely get that jersey framed at some point because I think it's going to, you know, I think it's it was a cool experience, and I think I, you know, it's kind of a say a turning point, but just you know, it's a it was a big moment. It doesn't have to be a, something that went perfectly, you know, to be something you want to remember. What was? Give me your top three. You know, ten years from now, twenty years from now, top three moments that, along the lines of what you're talking about. Because I like anecdotal moments. You know, it's maybe it's meeting somebody, maybe it's you know, the, something the fans did. I, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's watching something. I don't know. It doesn't have to be top three. It could be, like, top one. I don't know. <laughs> top one. I mean, I think my, like, the most, like, pinch myself baseball moment was when I came back after the seven years off um, that first outing, which was actually here in Texas um, in 2020. Just like making the making a big league team after seven years of not playing in the big leagues, that's that was pretty surreal, you know. Um, never thought it would happen in a million years. First debut, I, it was a cool moment, but you know, that's all I had been working toward my whole life. So it was like, okay, here it is. This is the moment, you know. Not that I expected it, but I planned for it, you know. Whereas the the second time around, it was like. Man, I can't believe I'm here. You know, I can't believe this happened. So it's probably number one for me. How about how about the at the WBC? What was the coolest moment there? Uh, when Trey Turner hit a grand slam to get me off the hook for the game I I blew against Venezuela. That was uh that was unbelievable. Um. I've never had such a like swing of emotions from a baseball game in my life. Um, I pitched terrible and we're down three or four and two or two or three innings later, he hits the, uh, the grand slam. And I was in the clubhouse at the time, uh, licking my wounds. And there was a couple other relievers in there too. And that there was maybe six of us in there and that place just erupted. Uh, you could feel the stadium shaking above us. Really? Oh, oh yeah. man. It was, it was wild. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, you talked about the great thing about having baseball every day or almost every day. Did you feel like if you, you, after you had that rough outing, was it one of these things where like it just clicks right in? I want to do this again. Or was it, okay, I need to regroup. What was that feeling like? You talking about in the in the WBC? In the WBC, yeah. Um, 
you know, I knew that I was, I was off enough that I probably needed some time to get right. Um, and that was probably a hard thing to admit to myself even, um, just cause the nature, the competitive nature in me wants to get right back out there and, and work at it and do it again. Um, but in that case, I think it was something where I recognized I'm a little bit off and, uh, and, you know, eventually I realized it was affecting me off the field a little bit too. Um, just not being able to, to turn the page and move on. Um, so that's when I realized that some time off was probably the best thing. Is it, is it, am I being simplistic in thinking saying, you know, you, you had this great story and you, like you said, you come back in Texas and you have that moment and you have that run, you, you, you make, you, you have all this success and then you have what happened to WBC. Like looking back at it and now you're good. Looking back at it all, do you say, hey, listen, I didn't know that there was going to be this second wave. I didn't know that I'm going to have this other obstacle, but this is all part of the process too. You know, am I being like too idealistic with this? No, I mean, absolutely. I'm, I'm, uh, just, I guess the way my career and my, my life's played out, you know, I'm a big believer that everybody's story is a little bit different. Everybody's journey is not the same. It's not, it's not always a straight line. Um, and I think this is just, you know, yeah, when you go through hard things, whatever they are in life, you know, it's, you never, you never say, when you're in the midst of it, you're never like, oh, I would choose this hard thing to add to my life because it's going to make me stronger, better in the end. No one chooses hard things, you know. They get thrown at you when you least expect it. And, um, you know, I think with, for me with this, it was just, uh, hey, hey, you know, we're, we're dealing with something. And, uh, you know, I felt more prepared to deal with it this time around, for sure. Felt like I had... Uh, better tools, you know, that I had developed already. And then also just the world's way more accepting and this kind of stuff. And, um, I had an organization behind me that fully supported me and said, Hey man, whatever, whatever you need, like we're here, we're here for you and, uh, take the time and, and get right, get back to feeling like yourself. And, um, all that means a lot. And, uh, so I just used all those, all the resources I could. The last thing I'll say about this is that I'll come back to what I said at the beginning, which is, you know, I think baseball touches a lot of people in a lot of ways. And, and I think I'll say it again, the resilience in your story is touches a lot of people. I was, uh, after the game last night, we were covering the game in, in Phoenix, uh, where am I? San Diego. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I have some beers with a guy named Julian McWilliams who is a, a sports writer for the Boston Globe, and he played college baseball. And his career ended because he got the yips. And I pulled out the article in the Sports Illustrated of you, and the impact that, like, him reading that had on him, like, was, like, it was a very, very real thing. And that's just one example at 2 o'clock in the morning you know, a couple of sports writers, but yeah. he's like, I did that. I did that. I did that. I did this. And I did that. And, but the lesson and the hope that you gave people, or, I mean, I don't know if this hits home for you. I know, like you said, you're living day to day, but I just want to let you know, like this, 
Your story is meaningful for a lot of people, and I mean that. Yeah, so, I appreciate. It. Yeah, yeah, I've gotten a lot of good, good feedback from people um, as stuff has come out, and there's a couple more, I think, like national articles being written this week or sometime soon. So it's you know, it's not necessarily what you want to be. <laughs> what you like, I said, it's not what you choose to. Um, be written article, have written articles written about, about you. But once it happens and you kind of thrust into that, it's might as well embrace it and, and use what you can use your story to try to help a few people. Daniel, the, the article isn't being written. You know, there's a percentage of the article being written because of that, but it's being written because you're good. <laughs> I mean, that you're good. You're a good pitcher. So there you go. Um, congratulations on being a good pitcher. Um, so, you know, I want to talk about something baseball. So I was watching, you're going to have to bear with me for a second. I was watching Major League, the movie, the Major League the other day. And Ricky, you've seen the movie Major League? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, so uh, you do. So I was actually, this was a part of a podcast where I picked it apart. A little too campy for me. But uh, but Ricky Vaughn was doing his tryout. Wild Thing was doing his tryout. And he throws a ball, and it goes through whatever, the backstop. And they have the radar gun. And they're like, what do we got on the gun? Like, 96. I'm like, 96? Like, and, and this is, and this is I, I always think of, like, what, a, what an event it was back when I covered you with the Red Sox because you threw 99. Right? What? It, oh my goodness! Everyone, look at the radar gun. And then a couple of years later, it was Alan Webster in spring training. Oh my goodness! He's throwing yeah. ninety nine. It's kind of like, and this is another testament to how you have evolved as a pitcher. Isn't it crazy to think about how nobody did what you did, and now, now what? Like fifty percent of the people do. It's it's really wild what's happened. Yeah, I I was talking to a teammate recently. And I was telling him how when I came into the league, um, my fastball was like eight miles an hour above the average fastball. And now it's like three and a half. <laughs> and I, well, this year I'm, I'm, my velo's been down a bit, but last year I was averaging 98 still. And I think the average fastball is like 94 and a half. And the average uh, right-handed reliever fastball is over 95. Wow. So 98, you know, is not, you just don't have that separate. I mean, I used to be able to throw all fastballs to probably five or six guys in the lineup, you know, when I was first coming up, just because they didn't see my below, that kind of, kind of below. Now it's like <laughs> they set that, uh, what do they call it, the speedball machine? You yeah, know, they set they, the velo machine. They set that thing up to 105, and then they come and face me in the, the 98, 7, whatever. Looks like batting practice. So you better have something else, you know, to pair it with, or you better be moving one way or the other. So, so, so what do you do? What was the, what was your pitching evolution? And this is we we love talking about you know inventing pitches and. And, you know, everyone like wants to talk about sweeper and everyone wants to talk about, um, you know, we, we, I saw Joe, Joe Kelly 
you know, do a million different. We just had him on the podcast two days ago, and he's talking that, about yeah. yeah. So he's he's like, the more they chirp, the more I wanted to do do like the like. But you watch how Pitching Ninja like put that together, and watch the hitters. Like it's like now you understand. I can't throw a hundred mile an hour on one on one leg or a ninety five mile an hour curveball on one leg, right? Which is what he's doing. He's holding it, but yeah. but he's what he's doing is he's figuring things out. What are some of the things that you figured out during your running success? Uh, well, that's that's one of them. Um, mixing the delivery up. That's something I started all the way back to twenty twenty when I first came back. Um, mixed in. The, the hand, leg hand, I don't go quite as crazy as I've seen what Joe's doing and what Nestor does, but definitely like a double pump kind of thing. You know, almost like Darvish does on his regular one. I'll mix that in. I'll mix in the slide steps. Um, just different things like that. Cause you can basically take the same pitch, turn it into two different pitches by just changing the timing of your delivery. Um, and same thing, I like just what Joe said. Like you, you'll do a slide step, and the guy doesn't even take the bat off his shoulder, and you steal a strike, and he starts shaking his head, and you're like, "Well, you know what you're getting again." <laughs> um, you know, they just—I don't think hitters realize how much they tell you with their reactions and stuff. So, um, yeah, I mean, I try to do all that stuff. I'm trying to work that back in right now. You know, as I'm getting getting feel back and things like that. Um, yeah, and for me, I, you know, it's spent a lot of time in the off season on like TrackMan and all those devices we have now, and just trying to hone in on uh, the best version of your fastball, your slider. Um, for me, last year it was throwing the sinker more. Uh, was a big big key to my success, uh, getting away from so many four seamers. So. Whoa. What pitch? What pitch do you like watching, or what pitcher do you like watching the most? What pitcher? Are you um, are you are you a big pitching ninja guy? I mean, are you a guy that goes like likes like holy crap? How did that happen? Oh yeah, I do. I I, I started following him a long time ago, and um, he sent me some t-shirts, which is cool. Um, that is he's cool. got a good thing. I just yeah, I mean, I just like the idea of like a media. I don't know if you can even call it media. I guess it is YouTube, but uh, media outlet that focuses on, you know, how nasty pitchers have become, you know, across the league. And I, you know, I always just like, I'll see somebody throw a sinker that moves 20 inches and I'm like trying to, you know, I'm Googling pictures, trying to find if I can find a picture with his grip to see what, how he did it. Um, things like that are, you know, the sweepers are fun to watch, the, yeah, there's some nasty splitters right now in the game. Watching Gossman splitter, Batista's splitter. I don't have one of those, but I still like watching them. Um, but yeah, I think the the high velo sinkers are, are fun for me to watch. You know? Yeah. Um, just because that's kind of what when I'm at my best, that's what I feel like I'm doing well. But like watching other guys do it as well. Well, listen. You earned a couple Hall of Fames. You're doing well. Um, you you have the promise of T-shirts coming your way. And when you said pitching ninja send you T-shirts, like is that, I don't know if that was a purpose 
pur- purposeful dig, but it works. No, I mean, uh, you take it however you want. Hold on. Look at this. There. I'll put this in the mail today. That's pirate colors. I don't want oh. that. Oh, hold on. There. There you go. Do it. There you go. Address is on online, of course, field. You got it. I, I got it. Well, thank you as always. Um, always good catching up with you. And just remember us when you're all in all those national outlets, just remember who put you in the Hall of Fame. Thanks, Rob. Appreciate it, man.